and welcome to the College Football Revamp Podcast. My name is Sean O'Connor, and I am a graduate student at American University pursuing my master's degree in sports analytics and management. I am here today to lead you on the path of what my capstone project is. My capstone project is something that's very near and dear to my heart as a big-time college football fan, and it is to revamp the college football playoff. Um, many people have had this debate for since the BCS started, well, since even before that when we had the poll systems and where the coaches would crown their national champion and the AP would crown theirs. Sometimes you have split national championships, things of that nature, led to the BCS, which then led to the current format of the college football playoff. Well, I want to take the current form of the college football playoff, and I just want to make it a touch better. Um, so where should we start? I think we should start with where how we go from four teams to the desired number that I think we should have, which is 12 teams. Um, first and foremost, I would like to say that these are my opinions, my thoughts, my uh, decision-making and how I've come up with this plan and, and this product, if you will, for how the college football playoff could change and could um, uh, grow. Um, so first things first, we currently have four teams that the playoff committee ranks one through four, and those four teams play in two semifinal games uh, on or around January 1st. And the winners of those two games play off in the national championship game around the 10th or 11th of January, that first uh, Monday after the NFL football season concludes. Um, so I want to take it from four teams to 12 teams. Um, and as in regards to who gets in and who doesn't get in, the first six teams in will be the winners of the Power Five Conference Championship Games, so the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC, and the Pac-12. The winners of those conference championship games get an automatic bid into the playoff. Um, and then on top of that, I would like to include the group of five, because we've had plenty of top-tier group of five teams over the past five to ten years that should have got a ch shot that didn't, in my opinion. And we're going to include the highest-ranked uh, conference champion from a group of five conference. So if we looked at the current standings and rankings for the country, we would say Cincinnati would get an automatic bid into the college football playoff. So those would be our top six seeds. Beyond that, our following six seeds will be all at-large bids. They don't have to be division winners. They don't have to be, you know, anything specific. Um, they're just the next six best teams according to the rankings. And now these rankings aren't like the AP or the coaches or, or the uh, college football playoff committee rankings. These rankings are rankings that I've come up with based on a formula that I've created using uh, five metrics as well as things such as losses, whether a team's a division champ or whether they're a conference champ. Obviously the conference champion thing kind of is null and void for the top five, uh, not the top five, but the power five teams. However, there are teams in group of five uh, conferences that may be on the cusp, but by winning their conference championship, it could push them over the top, over top of a team, say like a Notre Dame, who's an independent, who can't win a division, who can't win a conference championship game. So they could, they would, could theoretically jump Notre Dame 
and get into the playoff and have their chance to have like a Cinderella story like the uh, NCAA tournament. And I think that's why I kind of came up with this idea is because of things like the NCAA tournament where you have those Cinderella stories. Teams that you're like, well, look at Butler from, what was it, 2011, 2012, around that time frame when they made back-to-back runs into not only the Elite Eight and Final Four, but to the National Championship game and almost beat Duke. I mean, like Gordon Hayward's shot is like, a few centimeters to the left, that ball goes in, and Butler would have won a national championship. So that's what we don't get in the college football game, which I think the game dearly, dearly needs and dearly, dearly misses. I mean, we all remember how excited we were watching Boise State upset Oklahoma in the uh, Fiesta Bowl back in 2008, um, or 2007, January 2007. Um, so yeah, this is this is why I would love for this to expand, so we can get more blood into the game. Um, I think currently over the past seven years, only 13 teams have made the college football playoff within its current format. And two of those teams, Clemson and Alabama, have pretty much dominated the thing from the start. I mean, throwing Ohio State as well. And it's just been really only four teams that make it consistently being Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Um, Three of those teams are still in the running this year. Clemson, not so much with their losses, but this, these are the things that we're looking at. I, I would like to expand it so we're not just getting the same teams over and over again because then so many of the top recruits end up going to those schools, and those teams just keep getting better and better and better, and that eliminates the parity in the game. I mean, we want college football to be great. We want it to be fun to watch. We want it to be a situation where a team can upset another team on any given Saturday, and, you know, those are the great things to see in the sport. So, um, so like I said, the top six seeds are six conference champions, five of them from the Power Five conferences, and one from the group of five, the highest ranked of the group of five. The other six at large um, can be from anywhere. So you could get four SEC teams in or, or three Big Ten or whatever the case may be. Um, so in those games, what I would like to do is have the top four teams based on the rankings. So... You take the top six champions, based on the final rankings, they'll be seated one, two, three, four, five, six. So right now, Georgia would be number one, lock, stock, and barrel, right? They would be number one at the top. Um, those top four teams out of those six get a first round bye. They get a weekend off while the other eight teams play each other. Now, as far as the other those four games for the first weekend of the playoff, you would seed them as you would any other bracket. 12 would play 5, 11 would play 6, 10 would play 7, and 9 would play 8. The difference is we would host those first four games at the stadiums for those, for the, for those seeded 5 through 8. So if you had a Wake Forest... Um, Cincinnati will probably be higher, but right now we'll say Cincinnati, uh, Alabama, and uh, Notre Dame. We'll just throw them in there. I haven't looked at the rankings just yet, but so we throw them in. Those four teams would host home playoff games against the other four uh, at-large teams. The winners of those games would then, the following weekend, play at the home sites of the top four teams. So Georgia would host a home playoff game in Athens. Cincinnati or whomever is up there, uh, we'll say Michigan State for right now. Michigan State would host a home playoff game in East Lansing. 
Imagine a team like Florida or, or like Miami or Texas or whomever having to go to East Lansing to play a playoff game in December. That would be incredible. Um, really see what those uh, kids from the South, <laughs> how much cold they can handle. So that would be, that'd be a lot of fun. And plus, uh, it just adds... Um, it adds to the prestige of the game. You you earned that spot. You get to host a home playoff game in your stadium with your fans, with your weather. I mean, it's perfect. Imagine Boise State, you know, playing on the blue turf in December in Boise. That'd be that'd be fun to watch. Um, at least from my perspective. Now, one thing that we want to talk about is I keep mentioning the rankings, and you may be asking me, you may be asking yourself. I mean. Is that the AP rankings? Is that the coaches' rankings? Is that the playoff committee rankings? No, it's none of that. Um, I want to do away with things like that. I personally feel that the rankings that we look at today, as far as the AP and the coaches' polls, as well as even the playoff committee, there's a lot of bias associated with those. I mean, you have your preseason rankings from all the different outlets talking about, you know, Alabama's number one and this team's number four and I don't know where Clemson was, but nobody would have predicted that Clemson would be would have lost three games this season and be out of the top 25, right? So preseason rankings really don't tell us a lot. But what they do, in my opinion, cause is bias. People see those, and they assume naturally that a team like Alabama or Clemson should not fall below the top five no matter how what, what their schedule looks like, no matter who they're playing, no matter what the situation is, because, well, they were ranked this at the beginning of the season. They haven't lost. What difference does it make? Oklahoma, they've had some tough con- some tough close contests this season. Are they as good as they were before? Was it a Spencer Rattler issue? Is it a, a Caleb Williams thing now where he's playing, helping the team play better? Like, y- you don't know. So I, I don't like the preseason rankings. I think that we should never rank teams until we get to week seven, eight, nine. So teams have played half their schedule. We can see what they look like. We can see how they performed, how if they've won, if they've lost, things of that nature. And the college football playoff committee does a good job of that by pushing back till, I mean, we're going to have our first rankings for them tomorrow, November 2nd. So they do a good job of pushing that stuff back. So I give them credit there. I just, they, I agree with that concept of just pushing it back further. But for the rankings I'm talking about are the rankings that I've come up with that are based on five metrics and a few other pieces. So, and a formula that I created. Um, so the metrics that we're going to be using are strength of schedule, strength of record, offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, special teams efficiency, losses, division champion, or conference and conference champion. Obviously, division champ and conference champ will come into play later on in the season as we get towards, as we get into December. But as far as the other pieces of information, I think that they're all key. I mean, strength of schedule. I mean, you want your teams to play the best competition. You don't want. Uh, that's one of the biggest arguments we always talk about, especially with the group of five teams. Is oh, who have they played? Yeah, they may have beat uh, beaten Eastern Illinois, but have they played anybody of a certain level? To, to qualify them getting a chance to be in the playoff. Oh, they can get a New Year's Six game, but they can't get a playoff game because they haven't really played anybody at this level and, and arguments such as those, um, which I think are valid. I think are valid. Um, 
There's reasons why teams keep bouncing between conferences. There's a reason why Oklahoma and Texas are going to SEC. Yeah, there's some money involved there, but it's also to play higher competition to make their squads better, to get better talent from those regions and things of that nature. So strength of schedule should certainly play a part in how we do this. Uh, strength of record. I think strength of record is key because if you're team is playing better than the average top 25 team per se, then they should be recognized for that. If the average team would lose more games against the schedule than that, that, that you're playing than you are, you should get credited for that. And that's what that metric speaks to. So for example, if you look at uh, strength of record currently on the ESPN uh, website, Georgia is ranked number one in strength of record. And, I mean, it's easy to say why based on the teams that they've played. I mean, they've handled their business against Clemson, who may be worse than we thought they were, but they've handled their business. They crushed Arkansas. They beat Auburn soundly. They beat Kentucky soundly. And they just beat Florida very soundly. So, I mean, they their strength of record shows that they're a quality, pro, that they're a quality team this season. So, I shouldn't really argue with – there's not many arguments to be had with that. Um, so – that's why we chose that. Now, as far as the other three metrics, offensive, defensive, and special teams efficiency, um, again, got those from ESPN.com. And so uh, basically definition of those that, that uh, so for defense efficiency, that is based on the defense's contribution to scoring margin on pay, per play basis. So it basically speaks to how well your defense is performing and keeping the opponents from scoring points. Um, as well as like offense, how well your team scores points against a certain defense and special teams, how well your special teams is contributing to scoring margin for your team, whether it's effective punting, which put pins the other team back further so they have to go go further length to score points, whether it's field goal percentage and and, and making kicks from longer distances, things of that nature. So I feel that you have three phases of the game, offense, defense, special teams. We have three metrics that play into those three aspects of the game. Um, lastly, I've included losses. You should get penalized for losing games. I mean, absolutely. You should not get... You should not be able to lose four games and make the playoff. That, that's silly. Um, no matter how good of a schedule you played, no matter how good your strength of record is, no matter how good your offense, defense, special teams are, even if you're losing games by a point. Like, if you lose, you got to find ways to win. So if you're losing games, you have to be penalized for that. So I've included a, a, a metric in there for losses, and it's a multiply, it goes against a certain multiplier, and that comes off of your overall rating. And that leads us to that point of it. The formula provides a rating for each team. The lower your rating, the better you are, um, according to the rankings. And from that, we get our rating, our rankings 1 down to 130. I'm including every team in, in the FBS in this. So we got number 1, which currently is UGA, the Georgia Bulldogs. And number 130 are the Arizona Wildcats. So... That's what we're looking at right now. <laughs> um, other examples are the LSU Tigers, who are sitting at 36. The East Carolina Pirates are at 74. The Troy Trojans are number 100. Georgia Southern is 115. Rutgers is 51. So 
we're starting to see a bit more uh, uh, what is panning out. So as we discuss rankings, let me go through my current top 25. And now it does differ from the AP and coaches. I wouldn't say significantly, but there are some teams that you would expect to be higher that are higher in the AP and coaches that are not as high in mine. Doesn't mean that they won't move up as the season progresses and we get to the champ championship games and things of that nature. But this is what we have for the top 25. We'll go in reverse order. Starting at 25, we have the Penn State Nittany Lions. Number 24, we've got University of Louisiana. Number 23, we have the San Diego State Aztecs. Number 22, and this I'll probably get some pushback on this one, are the Clemson Tigers. Um, when, you've, when your team has lost three games, it's hard to say that you just belong in the top 25 for any particular reason. But they are there currently. So we'll see what happens. They still have games against Louisville, Wake Forest, South, and South Carolina. So their season could get better or worse based on those situations. At number 21, we have the Pitt Panthers, um, which is surprising based on their 6-1 and one re record. Sorry about that. Clicked on something on ESPN.com, and that popped up. But <laughs> the Pitt Panthers are 6-1. and one. You would expect them to be a bit higher. Um, we'll see what happens there. Um, at number 20, we've got Houston. Number 19, we have Kentucky. Number 18, we have the Iowa Hawkeyes. At number 17, we have the Texas A&M Aggies. At 16, Oklahoma State. 15, Ohio State. 14, this is the biggest surprise, I think, on the board. The University of Texas San Antonio is at number 14. Number 13, NC State. Number 12, Oregon. Number 11, Auburn. Number 10, Notre Dame. Number 9, Ole Miss. Number 8, Baylor. Number seven, Wake Forest, undefeated, leading the, a the ACC Coastal, I believe it is, and have a uh, line towards that uh, ACC championship game. So we'll see how that pans out for the, for the Demon Deacons. Number six, we've got Oklahoma. Number five, Alabama. Number four, Cincinnati. Number three, and again, some would argue this, and I understand why, but uh, we have the Michigan Wolverines, who lost a tough one against Michigan State this past weekend. Um, number two, we've got Michigan State. And number one, as in all the other polls, we've got the uh, University of Georgia Bulldogs. So many of the same top 25 teams. Um, my, my standings don't have BYU, Coastal Carolina, uh, SMU, or Fresno State, but those teams that are in ranked 18 or lower 17 or lower in the AP and coaches so not really affecting just yet the playoff picture so based on those rankings um, making a guesstimate of who if, if the season ended today I'm taking the number one team in each conference those are the conference champions so we're going to jump into what the playoff picture would look like but go into it knowing that that Based on the current standings in each conference, the team with the best record is the team that I'm naming as the champion for this scenario. So, with the number one seed, we have the Georgia Bulldogs. The number two seed are the Michigan State Spartans. The number three seed are the Cincinnati Bearcats. So, got our group of five team in. 
They're the number three seed. They'll be hosting a playoff game at Cincinnati, so that'll be great for their fans and their program. So that's good stuff right there. Number four, we have the Oklahoma Sooners. The number five seed would be the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, and they would host the number 12 seed, the Auburn Tigers. The sixth seed would be the Oregon Ducks, and they would host the 11 seed, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Number seven seed are the Michigan Wolverines. And there may be some questions about that with Ohio State having a better conference record. But the thing with that is right now we're just basing it off the rankings. So, and that's how we would assume, that's how we would handle things if we were doing the playoff. So Michigan currently is above Ohio State. These two teams play each other Thanksgiving weekend. So that that's going to change. One of them will go up, one of them will go down. So there's no reason to fight about this just yet uh, in the current but this is just if the season ended today, Michigan would be the seventh seed. They would play Ole Miss as the tenth seed. And lastly, you would have Alabama as the eighth seed playing Baylor in the, uh, the, the number nine seed. And so our bracket would look as, su- look as such going forward. Baylor at Alabama, winner of that game, would play Georgia. Now that's, that's an exciting matchup. You could have Alabama and Georgia in a rematch of the SEC championship game, or you could have Baylor being a plucky ball club, getting past Alabama, and then going to Athens to take on the Bulldogs and see where that goes. For the 12-5 matchup, Auburn and Wake Forest, the winner of that game would go to Norman and play the Oklahoma Sooners. On the other side of the bracket, you would have Ole Miss going to Ann Arbor to play Michigan. Winner of that game would go to East Lansing and play Michigan State. So we could have a rematch of Michigan at Michigan State. That was a great ball game this past Saturday. I could imagine it would be even better next go around with Michigan looking to prove that they that, that was a fluke or you know that they should have won and potentially getting their vengeance on the Spartans or Sparty showing that they're just that much better than Michigan. So that would be a fun matchup or Ole Miss upsetting some teams and Lane Kiffin moving forward. He always uh, pushes the dial for the NCAA. So that would definitely, either way, that that, that would be a bracket that I'd be looking at very, very closely. And lastly, you've got number 11, Notre Dame, going to Eugene to take on the Oregon Ducks. That would be a fantastic experience. Uh, the the Oregon, Oregon Ducks and their fans getting a huge... Uh, opportunity there to take on the Irish and then winner of that game would go to Cincinnati I mean uh, Cincinnati came to South Bend or beat Notre Dame earlier this season could Notre Dame get their revenge going to Cincinnati where Brian Kelly used to coach and roam the sidelines or if Oregon wins they've got a great matchup against a, a top tier group of five teams so got some great things going here obviously this is not set in stone yet things will change as the season progresses um I hope that you all enjoy what you're hearing so far um, as we do more of this it'll get more hopefully clear more concise maybe we get a little bit of uh, 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 messiness with the final few weeks of the season some teams lose that are expected to win certain games and this that and the other and really open up this whole thing to really have some more debate which is what I'm ideally looking for is to continue the college football playoff talk see where we can go with the with debating this topic and really see where we can go in the future with a more uh, exp- with a, with a, with a better expanded playoff. Um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening and we will see you and talk to you next week on the next edition of the College Football Playoff Revamp podcast. Thank you. Bye.